climbers, listen up. Before I tell you what today's episode is about, you want to make sure and not skip through the taking care of business part that we do at the beginning. I know some of you do it. That's all right. We love you anyway. But we have a major announcement today that will benefit you, and we want you to hear it, so don't skip past it. All right. Now on to the other thing. If you're a lyricist that writes with Melody Writers or you want to write successfully with Melody Writers, you definitely want to avoid these common mistakes that ruin good songs. That's right. Some lyricists are carpet bombing their own songs and running off good Melody Writers, but we're going to make sure that you are not one of those unfortunate songwriters. So listen up. All right, Johnny, do your thing. Welcome to the show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. That's what you're going to need to succeed. Why didn't we think of that before? What you're going to need to succeed, that just happened. Um, My gosh, it's been right there in front of us this whole time, and we didn't even know. (laughs) But yeah, you got to prove you have value now. The big companies don't pluck diamonds in the rough out of obscurity and turn them into household names. You've got to be popular enough now to get on the radio. You've got to be popular enough now to get a, a booking agency. You've got to have some cuts to make a publishing company think like you're worth your salt. So that's why we made this podcast. It exists because we want you to win. It's called Creating Leverage in the Music Business. C-L-I-M-B. See what happened there? That is a Baxternum from a good friend who's also a hit songwriter. His name is Brent Baxter. It cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Joe Nichols, Lady A, and more. And he will help you the aspiring songwriter turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro do business like a pro and on the regular he the most important piece after you become competitive after you are a competitive craftsman or craftsperson he hmm. then gets you the relationships that you need you can find brent at songwritingpro.com once again that's songwritingpro.com and I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. Yeah, it's, it's complicated, but thankfully, Johnny is smart. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs. Just to name a few, you can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That's production singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. Mid-May, how's it happening? It's happening. It's going well. It uh, There is no other Johnny D, but we can try and bring people on to support and try to duplicate some of the stuff you do. So <laughs> shout out to you uh, this past week. My son, Ren, and I went to Nashville, and, and Johnny, you were so kind to train him up. I've sat with us for about five hours training uh, Ren on some pro tools to get him set up for hopefully doing some podcast editing. So just a, a little first bite of the apple till he finishes school here soon. And then, then we're going to see what happens. Yeah. And he ate it. What's that song? Adam's apple from Aerosmith. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. So yeah. So I'm excited about that. So Johnny, you were awesome. Thanks for uh, being good to my son and uh, training him up and helping him get some skills. Oh, it was a pleasure. And uh, boy, he, he, those kids in the computer stuff, man, like he just intuitively got the Pro Tools thing, like right off the bat. Yeah. I was like, 
whoa. <laughs> I was like, I'm getting Pro Tools. Okay, here we go. We're not yeah, doing yeah. the I mean, like, super, so Just super geek stuff. Like anybody who's worked in Pro Tools knows like when you have the, the smart tool up and it can be the edger or it can be the cursor or mm-hmm. it can be um, the uh, – what's the third one? The edger – the cursor or the like hand, the hand. Right? so you can yeah. move it, yeah. And it, and if you have the smart tool, it'll switch depending on where you put it. And and he like just sort of figured out really fast what those do, and where to put it to get that tool that yeah. he wanted to pop up to pop up. So I was like, wow, this is gonna be easier than I thought. So it's all just gonna come down to a a a, a boy whose first language is Chinese and his right. ability to. Um, kind Makes of figure out of- like what the hell it is Johnny's trying to say when he's stumbling through his words. <laughs> and I'm gonna be honest, sometimes that's hard in English too. So, I know. I, know. I, don't, I don't wish this on anybody. <laughs> I'm gonna be trying and be a lot more mindful of my ums and you knows since I sat with you for five hours taking out our ums and you knows on a on a sample track. I'll try to be more mindful of that. You climbers do not <laughs> know how much Johnny has worked to make us somewhat make sense. That's right. Cause we're not this smart. I promise you. So, Hey, uh, real big news. We have to announce. So Brent and I are both going to the Nashville nights, international songwriters festival this September, mm-hmm. which I believe is September 17th through the 19th. Is that right? Yes. I believe that is correct. Yep. Is that, are those the right dates? Um, and so here's the deal, guys. We, we want you to be a part 18th. of it. Sorry, 16th through the 18th. September 16th. 16th through the 18th. 18th. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you for that. I did a bunch of interviews last year when we were there. Brent got sick. He couldn't go. Uh-huh. And so it was just me. I was Han Solo doing these interviews. And they're starting to kind of drip out now on to social media. And I'm I've been putting them in to the climb community. So mm-hmm. if you haven't joined that, join it. So already we've got a Tim Nichols interview. We have an Eric Erdman interview, which is really cool. And then I haven't posted this yet, but it just came out. But Hunter girl was there. We had a great interview. She's currently at the time of the recording of this podcast, which is May 13th. She is currently number in the top four on American idol. Cool. So, that's kind of a pretty big deal, but they've got some good stuff. You can hear, you know, we get into some of their hit songs. We talk about their journey. We talk about different things and uh, I just all in all, you know, a peek behind the curtain, real interesting stuff. But at this new festival this year for 2022, Brent and I will be interviewing some major, major, major hit songwriters on stage in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. And we want your help. So right. here's, we're going to tell you the list of names of people that we're going to be interviewing because we have all of the writers. And what we want to know is what do you want to know? What do you um, want us to ask them? So send in your questions. You can either, you know, reply to Brent's email, reply to mine, send them because we're going to send out emails on our list or send them to info at daredevilproduction.com and then just put, songwriter questions i guess put questions in the subject line so we get and then what we're going to do is just look at all the questions and pick the most popular ones the most common questions and we will include that in with our interviews so on saturday september 17th we are going to be interviewing tony lane and tony arada that's mm-hmm. ridiculously cool right one more tony um, we could have a 90s like hip-hop group 
Tony, 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 <laughs> Tony, Tony, Tony squared. So, uh, so I mean, Tony Arata wrote the dance amongst other yes. huge hits for Garth Brooks, right? Tony yeah. Lane, what was Tony Lane's big hit? You uh, said, well, he's had several, but he wrote "Run" for George Strait. He wrote "Little Past Little Rock" for Leanne Womack. He's "Letters from Home" for John Michael Montgomery. He's written a bunch of stuff. He's just one of the coolest cats to come. There to you go. Home. And then on the seventeenth, right after that, we interview Lee Thomas Miller and Bobby Pinson. Yeah, so between them, that we they've had tons of cuts by artists like Brad Paisley. Um, they, but Pinson was a writer on Burning Man, so Dirks Bentley and Brothers Osborne. He was a writer on some of it by Eric Church. I mean, Sugarland cuts, Toby Keith cuts. I mean, they all just between the two of them, just ton of cuts between the two of them. So yeah, right. And then on Sunday we interview Chris Wallen, who's been on our podcast, which mm-hmm. is cool, and Marla Cannon Goodman. Yep. So cuts from them real quick. Cuts from them real quick. I mean, Chris is on Don't Blink for Kenny Chesney, something to be proud of for Montgomery Gentry and Speed for Montgomery Gentry and just a whole bunch of like really cool stuff. He's had a Garth cut. He's had all kinds of stuff. Marla Cannon Goodman wrote among a bunch of other stuff. She's had a ton of cuts, but 12 rounds with Jose Cuervo comes to mind for Tracy Bird, which was a fun one. Uh, I want to say she's also probably had Garth cuts too. She's had, uh, What's a redneck woman? Gretchen Wilson cut. I mean, she's she's just a pro. They just she wrote redneck woman. Stop. No, stop. no, no, no. She's, she's had a cut. I was trying to think of the redneck woman, Gretchen Wilson. <laughs> oh, she's not on that one, to my knowledge. But she's had cuts by her, and she just you know cuts by so many people. Yeah, she. I awesome. believe she wrote a song called "I Don't Feel Like Loving You Today" by Gretchen, which is just killer. I think she's on really that one. okay. Anyway, she's All had right. a ton of cuts. And then uh, the last interviews that we have booked are with, so we're doing two at a time here, if you haven't figured this out yet, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last one is Bridget Tatum, who wrote She's Country for mm-hmm. um, Jason Aldean. And uh, um, I mean, Bridget's a, a, a big deal. And then Emma Zink. Now, Emma Zink, okay, so curveball here. I will tell you this, that Emma Zink is an up-and-comer that just recently signed to Bridget's publishing company mm-hmm. emma zinc is by far one of janelle's and my favorite artists in town mm-hmm. she's the real deal man like she's a freaking amazing you know what she's got a different story to tell because she's just in a different part of her journey let's say than these other writers so mm-hmm. what questions do you want to ask these writers let me let brent know and we will take the most popular ones and, and put that to them. So, you, you know, mm-hmm. what do you want to know? We'll figure this out. Yes. And Emma is also a, she's been a climb guest. She's been on video content challenge. I believe we had her. That's on right. Early yes, ones. So <clears throat> that's a good one. You want to check that out. I already know my most popular question that I want to ask each one of these writers. Will you write with me? But <laughs> other, than that, other than that, I don't know what to ask them yet. That's funny. So give us some good questions. So I'm not like Chris Farley in that old SNL skit going, you remember, remember that time you wrote little past little rock. That was so cool. That's I don't awesome. want to be that guy. So give me some good questions to ask. <laughs> there we go. All right. So join the climb community so you can see content like this. It's at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the climb community. You have to ask to be let in, but we let everybody in. What we want to know is, why aren't you there now? Get there. Get there. We want to we love on you, man. We want to 
We want to boost you up and talk about, give you a chance to talk about your wins, talk about your gigs, and get you connected with other writers, with other artists who are doing different promotion stuff and, and uh, getting some information, some, some insights, some stuff that's worked, some stuff that hasn't worked, maybe some 2020 hindsight. It's all there in the client community. Do uh-huh. we have some wins? Oh, we sure do. So every Wednesday we post the new heights uh, in there in the climb community and it's your chance. It's where we encourage you to share your music related wins for the week and then we get to celebrate with you. So it's a whole lot of fun. I'm going to share just a few of these from a recent one. Kathy Wallace. Hey, Kathy says signed a single song contract with Daywind on a song I had the privilege to write with an incredible artist and songwriter. So Daywind is like one of the major players in Southern gospel music. Yep. So Kathy is, she is a songwriter and, and it's just great to see her signing that contract. I've seen it over socials and stuff. Cause of course I keep up with her Congratulations. A climber and a song pro. And so just super pumped for her. That's, that's fun. And yeah, that's a great place to be. We have another one here. Dennis DeVilbus says, I know this group is primarily about writing. Well, it's about writers and singers and indie artists, but I had yeah. a first on mother's day. I was performing with, only an acoustic guitar and my tablet on a mic stand in downtown St. Helena. I, he, so he's out on the West Coast. He goes, I asked a couple if they had any requests. And the woman requested Bob Dylan. I asked which one. She chose to make you feel my love. I pulled my mic stand out on the sidewalk and played to her on the bench beside her husband. When I finished, she was dabbing her eyes. I asked, are you crying? Yes, she said. And I was amazed that I got to be a part of that emotional moment. So that is cool, man. That is that called is being cool, an artist. Dennis. Yeah, that is called being an artist. There's very few people who have the ability to, you know, tell a story like that. Who who have the who Connect. can tell a real story like that mm-hmm. uh, and make somebody feel something. That is awesome. Congratulations! Yes. Absolutely. I mean, Where's I Saint had, Helena? I'd somewhere on the west coast. I believe he's out in California. Somewhere on the west coast. So I'm not sure okay. where that is. But I've talked to Dennis before, so I know he's out that direction. I mean, I have also been known to make people cry when I sing, but for completely different reasons. For different reasons. <laughs> They're like, make it stop. <laughs> exactly. I'm chasing them singing, and they can't get me to stop. But, yes, yeah, so <laughs> congratulations on the wins, y'all. Keep on climbing. There you go. All right. So make sure that you follow the podcast wherever you kind of consume it or, or uh, subscribe to it if they still let you do that. Leave a rating review. Most importantly, tell a friend about it. If you're getting value out of this, let somebody else know there's gold in them, our hills, and point them our way. We're trying to help everybody so uh, we can help your friends too. Is songwriters, indie artists, indie musicians, whatever. There's lots of good stuff in here. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get started. Yes. So this is based off an email, a question I got from climber and song pro Brad Hacker. So one of the mm-hmm. one of the amigos, as they call themselves, writer on Drinking on My Mind and some other stuff. And so good dude, good writer. And basically, I'm just going to boil it down because he got long winded. Love you, Brad. It was a long question. He even he was like, "Wait, what was my question?" Oh yeah. So <laughs> Brad, what was my question? <laughs> wait, wait, what was my question? Oh yeah, here it is. So no, it was great. A lot of context. So it was really helpful to get my mind around this. So it was, it was no problem at all. But basically, he's been working, he's a melody person primarily, so he'll come in and he, he works up these melodies, he brings them into co-writers, and also he's he's working on being more of a track person, which that's someone who, basically a home studio, either full band or stripped down vibe kind of thing, you start coming in with some instrumentation on some stuff and a vibe, and bring them to co-writers. So he will write with lyricists, uh, and sometimes 
he finds that they get on a roll and he, Brad's trying to stay in his melodic lane, but they get on a roll and they forget all about the melody and it becomes his job to make it all fit. So even when he brings melodies to the tables, they're static about sometimes, you know, it lyricists can kind of start stepping on the melody and doing some stuff. So basically his question comes down to what can lyric writers do to stay mindful of the melody while doing what they do best? Because can't help but think that having that skill would be a superpower. And dude, it is a superpower, I think. Because that's something I I try to hone, a power I try to hone. So how can lyric writers do what they do best but still mind the melody? And I think mm. that is definitely worth diving into. So Yeah, um, I'm interested to see what you say about this. Yeah, <laughs> I've not that I'm a master at it, but I'm I'm getting, you know, better and better. And I, I focus on this. And I think it's one of the reasons I keep getting into rooms with people. It's not just the ideas that I have, which people enjoy those. And they, we don't always write my ideas, of course, but they know that I'm going to be prepared. And people are like, oh, I love how prepared you are. It just gives them a good safety blanket going, okay, yeah, let's put Brent on the books because he's going to come in with some stuff and I won't have to do everything, right? Mm-hmm. I want to show up. I want to show up and be a solution, not a problem. So. <laughs> Uh, that's important. So some of the sta- mistakes I've made in the past that have, have made it harder on my melody writer and also have hurt the song at times have been one thing. I cram- try to cram in too many words and you don't want to kill the groove or the flow or the singability of the melody with too many words. If it doesn't sing bottom line, it won't get sung. If it doesn't sing, it won't get sung so you want to make sure it sings or won't get sung if the singer keeps tripping up that might be on you might just be the singer but it might be on you so it's really important i remember a couple years ago now back pre-pandemic i went to the nsai songs i wish i'd written you know the nsai awards Mm -hmm. in nashville is at the rhyme and it was awesome i was up in the balcony i was right behind my friends zane and donna king and all the 10 songs I wish I'd written, winners got to play live. And mostly with the writers. And every once in a while, one of the artists like Cole Swindell got up with uh, some of the writers on his song. And I would have lo- said, I would have loved you anyway, or a breakup in the end. So mm-hmm. all these songs, so you just get in this killer song after killer song after killer song. And one thing I'm noticing is how just singable these are just how singable mm. for, from a song like meant to be uh from florida georgia line if it's meant to be it'll be you know it just flows right just that song is such oh, yeah. a great flow but even to more uh punchy songs like we mentioned bobby pinson and burning man that song got one of the songs i wish i'd written awards that year and so they're out playing burning man that's way more rocking but it's still like I can sing it. it. They don't. You're not tripping over yourself singing it. Mm-hmm. You can sing it well. Uh, other examples: you break up in the end sings well. Some of it sings well. Uh, the song "Some of It" by Eric Church sings well. Another Bobby Pinson song "Up Down." I think was that year. Uh, no, it wasn't Up Down. It was "Pour Me Another Round." That Morgan Wallen. Pour mm-hmm. me that one. So is that Ashley Gorley? Uh, no, no, he wasn't on that one. Um, okay. But anyway, it was just, all those songs are so singable. If you, if you go to concerts, if you, if you pay attention to songs and songs on the radio, 
they just the lyric fits in there naturally. Some are much more rappy, some are more slow and flow, but they all sing really well. And sometimes what we do as lyricists is we try to cram too much in there because I want to say this thing and I don't know how to say it in a few words. So I'm packing in all this stuff and it just doesn't sing as well. It just doesn't flow. And what I've really been trying to pay attention to just increasingly so in co-writes is does that sing well is there is there too many words is there what gives the singer room to breathe i was talking to someone the other day about ronnie dunn brooks and dunn lead singer legendary singer and for him he doesn't like a lot of words in his songs and that's just that particular artist's preference other people definitely like things more rappy but ronnie doesn't like a lot of words he likes to be able to chew on those words and really sing them because mm-hmm. he's such a great but that's singer. how he does his thing. That's how he does his thing. And yeah. so you're pitching to Ronnie, don't overpack it in. But that's specific to him. Other people can take a lot more words in there and, and like doing that. Obviously, Dirt Road Anthem is one with Jason Alding. With just, it's totally rappy in the verses. Yeah. But you just want to make sure that it sings well. So listen to your co-writer as they're singing the words and, and trying, to, trying to make them fit. You want to really pay attention to that and serve that singability because ultimately what we hope is these songs are going to be played live in front of us, in front of a crowd, in front of an audience and people are going to be singing along. And I want it to be singable. I want the, I want the singer to enjoy singing it. So they're not sick of it or have too much of a hard time in the studio. Again, it's not words in there. It's do what's appropriate for that particular song. It's more hooky that way, too. I mean, you know what's weird? I'm thinking of something right now, which is strange. And, and That you're thinking of um, something? Yeah. So the in the rock world, yeah, the first Skid Row record. Okay. Those are great songs, man. Like, I just mm-hmm. love that record. I still love that record. It's just cool. Sebastian Bach, the vocalist, just... Amazing. Stylized the fire out of all those songs. And it's just mm-hmm. so cool and um i mean i keep getting conflicting opinions on this but depending on who you talk to i just if you listen to the music okay it Mm -hmm. seems to me to be very 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 clear that whoever wrote the second record didn't write the first record right okay um uh, even though the same songwriters are accredited because their lead off single from the second record was called monkey business and don't get me wrong it's a cool song right but it's just what you're talking about it's like they're shoving 10 pounds of shit in the five pound bags man and each Mm verse and you're just like whoa and they're you know what you know what happened to the melodies man like these Mm -hmm. cool hooky melodies you're better off dead than i'm making a mess of me you know mm-hmm. and, and it's it just i just remember hearing that it was just so jumbled right it mm-hmm. was just so it was almost like too much man and mm-hmm. they had these beautiful s- lyrics with these melodies that would soar because you've got this singer that can make it happen right and do that do you think that um like lyricists because you're a lyricist that doesn't sing mm-hmm. and maybe I'm getting heady on this, but is there a, like, how do you learn 
what sings and what doesn't sing if you don't sing. If you're not thinking mm-hmm. about it through a lens of a melody. Right. Uh, because you have that in your head mm-hmm. as a what, singer. A lot of what I'm talking about <laughs> is in the room. You're in the room with your co-writer and you're working on a melody and you're working on the song. So listen, (laughs) listen is that, and there's going to be, you know, rough edges on it because they're learning it. No one's ever sung this song before. I I tell my co-writers that sometime they have to go back and redo a work tape. I'm sorry. I'm like, dude, it's fine. No one's ever sung this song before. (laughs) Yeah. No, it doesn't exist. Didn't exist. We're making it up. Cool. It's fine. All I have to do is hit the red button. No biggie. So, so I'm just trying to listen and listen for the flow. Now, there are things that you can do lyrically before if you're bringing a lyric in to make it more singable or give mm-hmm. the, the melody writer a better chance to write something singable. And that's, can I speak it easily? Does it phrase well if I speak it out loud? I, with some of my coaching clients that bring me into, we'll just work on just a lyric, but they want to bring in a melody writer on it later. So I have some coaching clients that do that. And I probably wear them out because I'm constantly just saying it out loud, just going back, starting over, saying it again, saying, speaking it out, speaking it out, speaking it out. And so while mm-hmm. I don't have a melody, I have a rhythm that I'm mm-hmm. reading it to. And so the better I can do that, and it just flows really well. I just think the easier it's going to be for someone to put a melody to it because it already has some. And if I need to, sometimes I go, Hey, we just read it. Will you just read that lyric to me? Sure. And I can read it. And there's natural ebbs and flows and rises and falls and rhythms to it. Now we may totally change it up once they get in there and they start putting a melody to it. Maybe we get a different vibe and we, fine. I don't care. I just want to have a great song. If I like the vibe you're doing, yeah, we can make the lyric fit. But the thing is, we got to make it fit. And and so in the room, I think it's really about listening. Where's the melody going? And you have to be ruthless. I remember there's a, a letter. I want to say it was Mark Twain or something had written somebody a letter and basically said, sorry for the length of this letter. I didn't have time to make it shorter. Yeah, yeah. I apologize in advance for the length of this letter. I didn't have time to write a short one. Exactly. Which means editing means using that economy of words where sometimes you go, oh man, I really want to say this, but it's not fitting. How do we say it where it fits? You got to figure it out because if it doesn't fit, if it doesn't sing, if it's this line or two in the, in this verse, like the rumble strips make you the listener feel like they just went over too far and all of a sudden they're driving on the shoulder <laughs> when it was a nice yeah. open highway. Then all of a sudden you hit a line. That, Whoa, what the heck was that? <laughs> it kills a groove, right? That's not going to get cut. <laughs> and so you have to be ruthless and say, I'm not quitting. We're going to either say something else, simplify what I say, but I, you have to use that economy of words. Or sometimes it's filling in more words. Sometimes we do that like, oh, it needs another syllable. I was writing with Neil Cody the other day, and we're banging away on this lyric start that I brought in, but the melody is is forcing some changes in the lyric, which I'm perfectly cool with. I'm more like, hey, this is a sketch of the vision of what I think would be cool to say. It's like, oh, this melody, it, just, it needs one more syllable. Like right in here, it needs something. All right, let's go find the word that fits or something yeah. that works because I want this just to be singable and flow. 
And it's a partnership. They don't, the Melody Rider doesn't work for you unless it is literally a work for hire and you're paying them. Other than that, they don't work for you. You both serve the song. So just be aware of that. So a fix for cramming too many words in, erase. Find a different way of saying it. It's hard and sometimes frustrating, but that is the job. And if you're going to be a lyricist and you're not bringing much to the table melodically or otherwise, you really need to be on the ball lyrics. So that's number one. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Number two, putting non-singable words or syllables in the wrong places. So some words and sounds just don't sound right in certain places in the song. There are certain mm-hmm. notes, e, like an E sound at the end is thinner and is harder to do maybe a big note on an E. You know, just it's a little thinner than an O is more of a full sound. And Johnny, as a singer, you're way more aware of that. And that's something oh, yeah. I'm having to be aware of as a lyricist to go, does that sound good? I'm not going to hold out, oh, it's this big, I think it's going to be a big note, and the last word in this line is biscuit. (laughs) How is that going to sing? And that would sound... Biscuit! You have to hit the ear, skit, right? That's like, that's not going to work, and that's just a weird word to land on for for a big note. And so you want to, again, it's listening, but the more you listen, the more you're going to get an intuitive sense beforehand if you're prepping a lyric to bring in What's going to sound good at the end of a line or just singable words? Sometimes like, oh, that word's just singing funny. It's just, it's crunching in my mouth weird. Okay. And so a lot of it as a lyricist is not being stubborn, helping, helping the melody writer have a good experience and have something they enjoy singing because they don't even enjoy singing it. And it's difficult. Oh man, what are the odds? It's even going to get further than a work tape. They're not going to be excited about demoing it probably because they're not going to be in love with it. You just want that thing. They just want to, I just want to keep on singing it. It's in my head. And those things, Mm -hmm. either unsingable words. I remember I was watching Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson on VH1 Storytellers back in the day. And they were talking about uh, Willie was about to sing Crazy, Patsy Cline, standard, classic. 
And he goes, you know, the original song, the name of the song was Stupid. I'm stupid for... <laughs> yes, but it wasn't very euphonious. Really? <laughs> so well, I don't know that. if it's true, but it works. It's actually Fitch. Like, yeah, it's, I'm stupid, stupid for... You know, anyway. Mm-hmm. But pay attention to how words sing and how they sound. And again, so much... So, so check this out. So mm-hmm. I don't think this is off base, but... As I mentioned before, I had to claw my way to middle management in the vocal department, right? And I took a lot of lessons. And, uh, you know, you learn that uh, singers, you can't sing a consonant. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You only sing vowels, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like what you're talking about, like which vowels are you going to sing? Which vowels are easier to, to sing. And then the other thing too, I think, which fits in with this, which is a nuance, but uh, a lot of singers, and certainly this is one of my big issues uh, with pitch was uh, man, the big speed bump in the road, diphthongs. <laughs> I was just thinking of diphthong. I remember being in the studio after I first moved to Nashville, being on some demo singing sessions and some of my buddies. And I remember somebody talking a lot about the diphthong. Got to got to work on that diphthong. I was like, "What?" So explain. Yeah, what, what is that? So so a diphthong is when a word or a like vowels, uh, certain vowels have a, a dip. A, a is a diphthong because it has two different vowel sounds. It has an a ah and an e, like mm. a, i a versus a. Right. And right. so, so there it is. So like, if you put the diphthong, like in the middle, you're going to screw up your pitch. Right. So the diphthong has to come like, at the beginning mm-hmm. or at the end. So in other words, like you've got to choose, you can't ride two horses with one ass sugar bee. You got to decide which vowel that you want to sing out on. And so mm-hmm. that I think could help too, uh, in terms of what makes it more singable. Mm-hmm. Are you going to say, something something me and that's what i want to say or that's what i want to say you know i mean it's like you know it's it's sort of like there's a vibe in there on how mm-hmm. you, you're going to use that diphthong you just have to choose which one you want to which vowel sound you want to resonate out and the diphthong comes at the end or it comes at the beginning but you don't want to put it in the middle or it's it's uh I'm sure there's lots of singers who can pull that off. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, probably just about any decent singer can pull it off. But those of us who aren't decent singers, we can't. <laughs> I think we it's a choose. diphthong, which sounds like a Cisco song from the '90s. Um, let me see that diphthong. <laughs> I think it. I think it should call it the Fonzie. A. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I like the anything I can reference Fonzie. But but you see, that. like when it comes yeah. to like singability, right? Mm-hmm. Like think about that diphthong and think about where it is, and then you know uh, that can help you make it more or less, you know, singable and mm-hmm. and and therefore like you know stupid. Uh, so here's the thing: like think about that. Like if he's right about stupid, it won't work with the melody because you're going to have to sing a consonant. I, you got to sing the ooh, stupid. Stupid or stupid. It's like it's weird, right? As opposed to right. crazy. And so you got just, A and E, right? The yeah. A and, E's at, so. <laughs> and so it works. It just just it's smoother. And, and you know, and, and the P consonant is a very abrupt it's it called pops. a plosive in mm. there. Yeah. Like and, explosive. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. 
So I think a fix for this is to really listen to the melody writer. Again, so much of this is so much of writing is listening. Ask them what sounds good in certain places. Just ask them what sounds good. If they la la the melody because they're starting to get the like the vibe and they're like and they're just doing nonsensical words and stuff. Listen to what kind of sounds they're <laughs> making because that will tell you what's coming more naturally because they'll naturally make ooh sounds. And if they put an ooh sound at the end of a line, da 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 ooh, then I think that was Scooby Scooby Doo. Scooby Scooby Doo. Anyway. If they're like, <laughs> -na 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 -ooh, you know, then you don't want to put the word Billy at the end of that line. You want to listen and go, oh, I want a new sound there, like a Scooby Scooby Doo. Where are you? You know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You just listen to what they're putting in there naturally, even if you don't have the words for it yet. Uh, I watched a little bit of the Beatles documentary. I need to watch the rest of it on Disney Plus, where, and you see a little bit of their writing, and they would just put in filler words, but that's have this kind of sound. And the flow, yeah. And then later they'll replace it with a word that has that sound and flow, but makes sense, or with two words that right. have that sound and flow and make sense. And so you want to just listen. If there's a word in there that doesn't fit, you got to get rid of it. You want to be ruthless in removing an editing lyric that doesn't fit or doesn't sing well, because if you don't, you're going to give your co-writer fits, and it's not going to be as because you're going to be pushing them. No, it's fine. It's fine when they know it's not, and they're the one that has to sing it. And they're not going to come yep. away with a good feeling of the song. So that, and don't be, don't, yeah. don't be the, the, um, I've seen this happen with amateur writers before where that, where they have this lack of humility. Yes. Where they're just like, number one, they're not, and have no intention to be the artist. Yes. Right. So there, therefore their song has to be sung by somebody else and mm -hmm. they're like well you're going to sing it this way or you're right. not going to sing it at all kind of a thing and it's like hey douchebag <laughs> you want to sing it your way you sing it your way go get a record you know deal. yeah yeah and go sing it or, or or do it yourself whatever you want to do god bless you but you know when you're singing for somebody else like it's you you've, you've we've said it a million times in this podcast but you got to cater to them and mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's so many times i've seen where if we're going to do an, a demo you know an amateur song demo and I, I would keep asking them like okay so you're not singing this right like is this gonna be an artist thing no all right then we can't why do you want to do this word why do you want to sing it this way you know like mm -hmm. nobody's going to do this because it doesn't make sense and there's a thousand ways to say what you want to say mm -hmm. And your job as a writer is to find that cool way that's going to make it work. And they just are so protective of, no, it's my art. And if you change mm -hmm. this, it'll ruin everything. And it's like, no, like you really sound like a tool right now. You know, this isn't going to work. <laughs> it, it's an odd balance of <laughs> we want to go for the best. But it's a, it's a mix of humility and confidence. Humility saying my co-writer's in the room for a reason. And if they're if it's not singing well to them, I need to be humble enough to go, okay, let's see if we can find something better. But confident enough to believe that I can find something that will work. Sometimes maybe just pushing for what we have is lazy or fear-based because I'm not sure if I can I can find the fix, that I can find the words to it. Or maybe I just don't want to go through the effort. So it's a weird thing of confidence that you can you can find the thing. Oh yeah, we're gonna find it. We're gonna fix this. This is we can do this confidence 
versus humility of saying, okay, if you think it needs to be fixed, if this is not working for you, yes. Even though it may be what I brought in or a word choice that I like, let's seek it out. Let's work together and find something that makes you happy too. And hopefully what you're going for is something that makes you both happy. So you kind of have to hold your lyric with a little bit of an open hand. And and fight for the song, not mm. for not to win. You right. don't want to win. You want the song to win. Who right. cares who threw the touchdown? You know yep. what I mean? So it's like I, everybody and I, gets I would, a ring. I'm, everybody gets a ring, yeah. right? On the team. Just get the ring. Everybody gets a ring on the team. You know, uh, get the touchdown. And and the yeah, man. It's I always found that really strange. Like you know. What I'm telling you here isn't crazy. I'm not trying to artistically steer you one way or the other or tell you to say something different. But as your demo producer, I'm telling you, this is a bad word. Like, it just doesn't work. You know, nobody's going to want to sing this. So Mm -hmm. if your intention is to sell this lyric, this melody, and this vibe to somebody else to sing it, then I'm telling you already, like, find one of the other 999 ways to say what you want to say that they will sing. Yes, exactly. All right, last one. Being too clever or cerebral. So since we focus so much on the lyric as lyricists, sometimes we can overwrite the lyric. So overwriting doesn't mean just cramming in too many words, although we can mean that, right? But what I mean is cramming in too many thoughts or being uh, so focused on using wordplay that you forget to be honest or you forget to be emotional or you're so focused on being different that you write some idea that nobody really cares about. But it's different. I've yeah. never heard that before. Maybe there's a reason you've never heard that before. Or it's too <laughs> intellectual. No artist is going to sell out Madison Square Garden because fans can't get enough of that, mm, well, that's interesting thought they get when they listen to your music. They want to feel <laughs> something. That's right. So I know I've definitely done this with songs. That's, that's interesting. Ooh, I've never heard this. Or it, it's almost like a technical thing technical achievement yeah yeah, yeah. Some they don't give away technical achievement awards in songwriting exactly <laughs> at the they, grammys they don't they don't like wow that little phraseology or that lyrical that rhyme scheme wow, that's amazing that we've never seen you that found 50 before. uh different cliches to talk about a pencil congratulations congratulations or to talk about a whiskey bottle awesome good for you but nobody cares because you didn't say anything yes It's like a vocabulary dump. You didn't move somebody. And that's the point. Ultimately, Mm. the point of the song is to move somebody, to touch their emotions, to make them feel something. And sometimes lyricists, we can get way up in our head. Now, there are two ways to to fail at this. Okay. One is to get too intellectual and you're writing about something that's interesting, but it ultimately, nobody, who cares? It's not, it doesn't resonate emotionally with somebody so that's a thing or to go the other way where you feel it so much that you forget to make your words convey that feeling because you're feeling it so Mm -hmm. much it doesn't land on the page i can't get through this song without crying yeah but i can listen to it i can barely get through the song because i'm so bored you're feeling it because you know what's in your head but you're not putting it on the page so it can't be a song so they're they're kind of one guy I had one like amateur writer come in and what we're doing a, a demo and he was just trying to be like so clever. It was all about all these different whiskeys. And so mm-hmm. he was, his, his goal was to mention like every whiskey known to man mm-hmm. um, 
and put that in there, right? And he had, and I'm whiskey drinker here, love whiskey, right? There was like two brands in there. I didn't even know what the hell they were. I'm like, what's this? He's like, that's a brand of whiskey. I'm like, what are we doing? Like, I don't, if I drink whiskey and I don't know what that is, then how this is wasted space, right? Mm-hmm. And and your whole focus is about trying to impart your knowledge of brands of whiskey. Um, and you're not, there is no emotion. You're not saying anything. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to find clever words to put before the next whiskey brand. Yes. Right. And, 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 and so you're, there is no, there's nothing to say. There's no emotion. Yes. So I think of two songs, one which was a, a big hit and one that I wrote. And so the Johnny Cash is I've Been Everywhere, which I can't remember mm-hmm. who wrote that. Maybe Shel Silverstein or somebody. I can't remember. But you know, I've been everywhere, man. I, and then the verge are just listing all these yeah. places. Now, that was a hit. And can you say that that was really emotional? No, it wasn't. But it, but it was fun. So that is emotional. Mm-hmm. It's just fun and trying to sing along at all these places and, and you just can't keep up because he's just plowing over you with all these places. Like that's just cool. It feels good. Right. The energy of the song is great. It's just and it's it's a feel-good thing. So it is emotional. They present it in an emotional way, even though you're basically listing all these towns that he's been to. You know, I've been everywhere. Yeah, and well, and there's, so there's a vanity factor something. to that too, because you might mention my town, or I know yes. that town. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And there's so it covers everywhere from coast to coast to all the faded map dots. I, you know, on that note, I think of we didn't start the fire with Billy Joel. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's the same thing, like super listical, but it's all about the chaos of. Mm-hmm. That song, you know, he actually is. These are all people and moments and things that have happened. That um, and then a lot of times they have a there's a comment on it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, on this specific moment in time in, in what happened. And, and there's a it is a message that sort of calls for the cleverness. But mm-hmm. and I think that one hits like the nostalgia button on different things. Yeah. But yep. Holly, Ben, her space, monkey mafia. For one thing, it's it's challenged, but it all fits in there well. As we were talking about before, yeah. he made and he's it still all. Telling a story. He made it all flow. He's following the flow of history, and so it's this. So you know what? I, I'll give mm-hmm. another one. Like we work with Craig Gerdes, who mm-hmm. had this song. It was called Haggard Fan, right? Mm-hmm. So it's an homage to Merle Haggard. Like the hook was really, really strong, man. That was like a winner. Like you're damn right, I'm a Haggard fan. Mm-hmm. And then we put him with Jeff Tweel, who wrote a couple. Merle Haggard number ones hmm. and uh, and they worked it out. Now here's a situation where they had, they were using, uh, so it's about a blind date, right? But mm-hmm. they were using Merle Haggard song titles to tell the story. So it was like mm-hmm. this clever twist, right? Where mm-hmm. it, these are numbers. So it's like, you're damn right. I'm a Haggard fan. Ain't nothing wrong with the branded man. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so, and so they're kind of like attributing it. It, it, it points back to the title, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a Hagger fan. There's nothing wrong with a branded man. When I get through the swinging doors, 
he's talking about, you know, Mama Cried. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punch the band if they don't play Mama Cried or something. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's all about, like, Merle Haggard. And they just – but it works in the story. So here's a situation where it's clever, but it's still, like, really emotional. And it still mm. points to the title and makes everything – connects. And there's a story to tell. Yes. And Haggard fans can – every time he says your favorite Haggard song, you're like, whoo! Right? It makes you yeah. feel something. And yeah. so th- there's a song that I wrote that never got out of major Bob music. Rightfully so. I can see now at the time I was a little frustrated. So I wrote this song with a friend of mine and I was, I was in full, like, I wouldn't say dad joke mode that day It's called, where did I go? Right. And like every line in that song has some sort of inverted cliche or some sort of play on words kind of thing. It was, it was be a positive love song. Where did I go right? Finally, you know, instead of where did I go wrong would be the normal phrase, but you, you know, you're finally in love and things are good. It's like, I went out on a limb, but it didn't break this time. That sort of thing. And uh-huh. like, a Oh, I can't remember headlines like, like a clock with a nervous tick. I was da, 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 da. It just all this punnery in this song. And right. it had a nice little kind of jazzy country kind of almost could be a little somewhat swingy kind of thing, but it didn't feel, it didn't feel that great. And ultimately they were just like, nah, they just weren't feeling it. Cause you know what? They weren't feeling it. It was look, look what I can do. And I'm so proud of it because every yeah. line had like this thing in there <laughs> and which is fine, but there's a reason we never demoed it. The reason that, I wouldn't go back and demo it now. It just was, they didn't yeah. punch enough emotion, but it's super clever, but who cares? Yeah. Right. They yeah. have to care. So that's the thing we can get up so much in our heads, clever wordplay, different things that we forget that our job is to make somebody feel something. If they don't feel it, mm-hmm. they don't care. They're not going to stand in line for the show. There are many ways a song can make people feel something. It could be just the the vibe of it is so great. I mean, I think I've mentioned a hundred times on here probably, but Counting Crows, that first record, there's so much about like round here, perfect blue building stuff, all that August and everything after record that made me feel, even though I don't know really what he's talking about half the time, long yeah, December. It's a, it's and, ethereal lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but mm-hmm. it's still, it's, it's abstract art, but it still makes you feel something. Mm-hmm. So there are many ways you can get there, but you want to make people feel something. And the lyric has to support feeling, you know, an emotional feeling, evoking an emotional feeling, whether you're just supporting the melody that's going to be the main driver of that, or if it's a song like I Drive Your Truck where the lyric is the main driver, certainly the the melody and the vibe of it is emotional too, but it's really the lyric that drives that emotion. Either way, you just don't want to get so up in your head and so cerebral that people understand it, but they don't care. That I mean, bottom line. So what's a fix for that? It's tougher. I mean, you just have to get out of your head. As a lyricist myself, I know I can get all up in my head and focus on the details of the song and miss the big emotional picture. It's like I can't see the force because all the trees are in the way. So what you want to do is maybe A, B your songs against songs you love that you didn't write. See how those other songs make you feel. Then ask yourself if your own song makes you feel something or if you're just proud of the internal rhymes and dad jokes and puns that you put in there or subplots and all this little stuff that you put in there, Easter eggs about other things. People just want to feel something. And so bottom line, it's not about you, lyricist. It's not about saying things 
in a way that makes you the happiest. It's about the singer. It's about the listener. I heard someone say the other day that, yeah, we write the songs, but they don't really belong to us. They belong to the fans. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely a level of truth to that. And so you, you're in the service business. Your phone's going to ring because you can help solve your co-writer's problem, the melody writer's problem. They have melodies, but they don't have killer words. So show up as a solution. And then if you're writing with an artist, show up as a solution. I'm going to help you write songs that you love, that your fans love. And so you get to go on the road and pay your people and make a living. I'm in the solution business. I want to be a problem solver, not a problem. And it can be a problem if, like, man, they just keep on trying to jam all these words in here and they don't fit. And it's, you know, having to fight that battle. No, no, it doesn't. It just doesn't. It's not flowing. It's not flowing. Yeah, just make it work. Just try harder. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, yes, and the melody may change. It may be, end up being a good thing. Sometimes, like, oh, okay, that, okay, that worked out way better. I was writing the other day with some folks, and we had this thought of changing up the second verse, so the line before the chorus, doing a different kind of structure on that line than we did in the first verse. And she was the my co-writer's a good writer, trying to trying to sing it, and it was just too long to fit in there. I was well. You know what? Since we've already broken the scheme, the first verse went first verse, pre-chorus, chorus, I think. And this was second verse straight into the chorus. I was like, well, since we're already kind of breaking structure, why don't you just drag that last line out more and make it more of a moment? She's like, oh. And she broke it up, changed the melody up on that last line, did more of a climb thing, no pun intended, to make it more of a moment where you hit that and kind of freed ourselves up from the structure we had. It's like, Oh, that's so much better. And it sings. Thank you. I'm like, yeah, no problem. So I didn't, I couldn't sing it, but I had a feeling like, Oh, but I bet through the flow of the lyric, if you just change it up here. And so working with them, and if it just didn't work, we're going to change the line and make something that fit Mm -hmm. and sang well and still want to say something more sane. So that's the thing. It's a partnership. The melody writer doesn't work for you. So you want to have the, Humility to be open and hold your words with an open hand to say, if we need to change some things, we can for the sake of the song. The song is the boss, not me. I'm here to serve the song. The song is the star here. Let's serve the song. And also the confidence to say, if we need to replace this thing that I love, we can come up with something else that's going to fit and going to sing well, and we're all going to be much happier with. Like, I don't know what it is yet because no one's written it. But I trust that we can do that. So you need both the humility and the confidence to do that. So Brad Hacker, thank you so much for sending in this question. I think it was a really good one and it was fun to kind of dig into it. Uh, So if any of y'all have questions as well that you would like for us to address on The Climb Show, man, send them. You can send them to me at brent at songwritingpro.com. If you have a question that's more of a songwriter Brent question, if you have one for Johnny, I'm sure you can send them his way as well. Always... Hey, we're in the service business too. It's not just about what we want to talk about. It's we're trying to help you on your journey. So feel free to send us some stuff. It's always helpful. But that's what I got. There you go. Awesome. Well, that brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode. Make sure you send in the questions that you have for these hit songwriters that we're going to be interviewing at the Nashville Nights International Songwriting Festival in September. We're going to start collecting those now. Uh, send those in and we're actually going to feature some of these interviews from last year's festival on the show coming up here just to kind of get everybody into the groove of of what's going on Mm -hmm. join the climb community follow the podcast tell a friend about it this podcast exists because we want you to win so keep on climbing and we'll see you at the top who had a great
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 